In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Heavenly King, Paraclete, Spirit of Truth, you who are everywhere present and fill all things, treasury of all that is good, master of life, come, dwell within us, cleanse us from all stain, and save our souls, O good one. Mary, cause of our joy, pray for us. Amen. We're going to continue now with John 10. Uh, we're going to start with verse 7. We did the first six verses, if you may recall, about the sheepfold and the sheep and how the shepherds lead their sheep out and how the sheep recognize the voice of their own shepherd and how important that is for us. Now, <clears throat> our Lord uh, changes the image and he says, Amen, amen, I say to you, notice our Lord is only is the, the only one who, who always says, Amen, amen, I say to you. Okay? Uh, I am the gate of the sheep. I'm not just the shepherd, I'm the gate. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the way to this pasture, to this eternal pasture. I'm the way. Everyone who came before me are thieves and robbers. Now that doesn't mean all the prophets and all the good kings and all the good Pharisees, no. See? But the sheep did not listen to them, okay? Um, because um, I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will come in and go out and find pasture. Now this is very important. In Lumen Gentium, paragraph 16, we have, as we have typically in many of the uh, Vatican II documents, we have two statements that balance one another off but are not yet synthesized. We need to go through all those documents and see whether now, with the hermeneutics of continuity, we can synthesize. It says there in the first part, you see, that people of goodwill who are following their conscience and so forth will probably not be denied eternal life. So why have missionaries? Why did all these men go and risk their life, eat food they couldn't eat, be in weather they couldn't stand and die at 35? Why? Because it's not that easy. And that's what the second part of 16 says. But it's much more difficult. And you're deprived. And there are things we don't know. For instance, somebody, oh, in, in Sudan, anywhere, comes to know Jesus Christ, gives their life to him. They are filled with an abundance of grace. They live on his body and blood for the rest of their life, and they die in peace. They are surely more sanctified than the other, with rare exceptions, I would think. Uh, but, so, you see, uh, all who came before me, or all who came, the before me might be in the text, might not be in the text, are thieves and robbers, but the sheep didn't listen to them. I am the gate. I am the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. 
I am it. I am the living Son of God. And you come to me, and through me, you go right straight to the Father. Don't forget that. Don't get mixed up. And especially nowadays, with all of this, oh, well, if you mean well, you know, or as one of my friends says, you're going to have a mystical experience in the jacuzzi, you know. No, you can't. You only have a mystical experience that's authentic when you're transformed. You don't grow on trees. And so, you see, I am the gate. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. And he will come in and go out and find pasture. He'll be free. You know, I knew a man. He was a wonderful man. He was born in the Carpathian Mountains and um, Jewish. And as a young Jewish boy, he would hang around with the men of the book, the men who would read the Bible all day. I told you about them before, how there's a Jewish saying, if you take a pin and put it through a letter on this side of the page, they can tell you what letter it went through on the other side of the page. That's how well they know that. I don't think they can, but that's how well they know the Bible. So he did all that. And he was aware of God. He was like already having mystical experiences as a little boy. His mom took himself and his brother and they came to New York. He lost it all. He lost it all so badly that he tried to commit suicide three times. He couldn't hold his job. His mother would tell him, the other brother went to work. She'd say, what's wrong with you? Go to work. We need the money. What do you, you know? He'd get on a job, sweep on the floor, and he'd get distracted. He couldn't. God preoccupied him even when he was, by this time, convinced in one part of his spirit that there was no God, and he knew in the other part that there was. Now, this pain was so great that he tried to commit suicide three times, and he couldn't even do that. So this man suffered, and this went on for 25 years. And finally one day, it was a hot New York, he's a New Yorker, a hot New York day. He's way downtown, I think it was St. Francis's church, I don't remember now. And he, and he saw this big, looked like a cool building, and he, now he was a man, and he walked in. He was a man that had learned from childhood, if you see a priest, you walk on the other side of the street. If you see a crucifix, you turn aside and spit. That's where he was. So he walked into this place to cool off. And he was there. And all of a sudden he realized, this is a Catholic church. He got up to go out and a force put him on his knees and said, Jesus Christ is God. And I've been a Catholic ever since. Now you see, but he went, from that point on, he had a freedom. Oh, I knew people very devout people, and they would say his name was Charlie. Charlie, you're so free, it scares me. Do you pray the rosary, Charlie? Yeah, I pray the rosary. How do you pray the rosary? Well, I'm waiting for the bus. So I think on my rosary, I start to pray, I get lost in God, I stop. How many people pray the rosary that way? I loved Charlie. He, I met him, oh, I was 20, not quite 21, when I met him. And, um, he stamped my life. I said, that's the way to go. You've got to know Jesus. That, And if it takes 25 years of wanting to commit suicide, it'll be tough, but it's worth it. 
I remember once I said to him, I could tell you story after story, but I'm trying to tell you, you see, go in and come out and find pasture. What does that mean? You see? I'll tell you a funny story. This was a mystic. I mean, really. So I was having trouble. I was studying in the monastery. He came. He used to come about every turning point in my life. I said, Charlie, you don't get to know God through study. No, you don't get to know God through study. You can't. You know? That's impossible. I was thinking of quitting study and just be a lay brother because you don't get God through study. And so uh, I said, but Charlie, you've got a New Testament in Hebrew in your pocket there. And you read it all the time. Now, this is going to be the answer to my lifetime question. Why do you do that? And he said, man, that's a deep one. <laughs> I don't know. I can't put them together, but they're both true. You see what a free man is? He's free. One day I said to him, Charlie, stay. Wait another day before you go. He's in the money. He said, look, you guys with the vow of obedience, you think you're the only ones who have to obey? God told me to go. I got to go. <laughs> anyway, I thought if anyone enters through me, he will be saved and he will come in and go out and find pasture. He will be free. Isn't that beautiful? That's the freedom we're promised. Do you have to pay the price? Yeah, but you have to pay the price to go on the merry-go-round. You know, nothing's free. Uh, but to, to yearn for that which comes as a gift, it's love. Okay? He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, slaughter, and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. That's the contrast. Then he goes on to say, again, you see, I am the good shepherd. You see? Um, and, um, and I know mine, and mine know me. Now what does know mean in this context? You see? Know. Remember we were talking before about wisdom. See, it's knowledge. See, knowledge, biblically, as Origen tells us, the word yada in Hebrew for knowledge always implies contact. Contact. It's not just it's contact. If you know God, you contact God. Adam knew Eve and she bore a son. Contact. That's knowledge. Yada. You see? And so he's saying, I know mine, I know them, and they know me. That's the promise. My friends, do you see how we've let the world down? How many people among us can say, I know Jesus, I really mean it, and yet it's offered to every believer? Just pray. Take time for pray. Get sin out of your life. Be faithful to your spouse. Go to Mass every Sunday and really pray. Get prayer time every day. And you'll know what this means. I know mine, and mine know me. Now, this is how deep it can get. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. Now, what kind of knowledge is that? That's mutual indwelling. That's contact. 
That's total interpenetration. The Holy Spirit. That's how mine know me and I know them. As the Father knows me and I know the Father. It's a share in this Trinitarian act of love. Dance of love. That's a promise. You see? That's a promise. I know mine and mine know me just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And you say, well, I mean, gosh, you're the Trinity. I mean, yes, we are the Trinity. And you're not. That's quite true. But our love is our basis for our knowledge. Because without contact, there's no knowledge like this. And you say, gosh, I don't know if I love God. Go ask Him. Say, Lord, I really want to love you. I don't even know what that means. But I really want to love you. Really love you. Have an affection for you. When we pray, as Paul tells us, you know, and pray, Abba, what is that? That's the Holy Spirit giving us a share in Jesus' divine affection for the Father. It's affection. Abba, Father, Father. With affection, with love. I know you. I trust you. I'm a jerk. Forgive my sins. But I do know you by your pure mercy. You see, that's what it means that he's the good shepherd. That he brings us to that knowledge. Pray for it. Don't give up. You know, uh, tell the Lord, I'm not like Honey the Circle Dwarf. I'm not leaving here until you show me what that means.